Hi, Tess Free on Barbie's podcast, Barbie Does Change. This is Chapter 3. Who does Delilah say she is? This is from the larger work, Delilah Stone Gets Free. Again, this is Chapter 3. When I asked Delilah if she figured out who she was and what her purpose was here on Earth, knowing that she could expound for days on that topic and talk about all her special past reincarnations, all she said was, quote, I'm no one special, really, just a seeker who stopped over for a brief time on planet Earth, end quote. Her core belief was that she came here to forgive. She was a wandering alien by nature. Her dreams were filled of searching for things and never finding. She kept asking why. She thinks forgiveness is the purpose of her life. Well, there you go. Easy, simple, according to her. Quote, all the rest has to be let go, she says, end quote. Is this for real? I'm scratching my head. Does she really believe all these teachings we've heard for 50 years in various forms of seekers, manifestos? Well, you know, the Buddha, Jesus, and all the mystic seekers say that this is a temporary place, too, and she's, is she going there for real? Ill fits all of them. Can this really be real? I'm saying to myself. She believes she undoes what she can for the wrong she has done and prays for enlightenment to enter in spite of her mistakes and or whatever they call them, sins. Over and over, she comes to this point, boring the shit out of me. She seeks forgiveness for herself from from herself and from others. She's been working on that for 50 years since 1968, she said. She didn't have a lot of anger or hurt, resentment now. It appears she has already let so much of her painful past go. Jesus Christ, I'm running the fuck out of here. I I really don't know. I'm really getting kind of scared. And I ask myself, who is this sister of mine? Over the years, I never counted the endless phone calls from my mom about one fight after another over what a horrible mother Delilah was and how mom had to keep trying to, quote, save my grandchildren from my very own wicked daughter, end quote. Dragon mom always kept me up on the latest shameful thing Delilah did or said. And speaking on this, Delilah says over and over, quote, mom bribed my boys with $80 sneakers, end quote. And she, quote, didn't make them go to school, end quote. Mom constantly gave Delilah's Delilah's kids money when Delilah had none. A big mistake happened when our mom, a greasy factory worker in a machine shop, got credit cards in the 1970s. Every week she made minimum payments on 10 to 15 credit cards and paid every one of them off for 50 years. She never got ahead, never beat the system, nor was she ever successful in life. She spent money and spent money. Delilah couldn't compete on her more 
on her mere welfare should have been disability check, and that Mom had a pension from her last generation of hard work and union folks who won themselves a little something back in the 1940s and 50s. The generation to have a pension from working their whole entire fucking lives is mostly one place, in one town, until they died. They had one job. Just on economics alone, Delilah lost her sons to greedy grandma, the consumer of little boys, through things the ultimate capitalist American way. True to form, just like a poor or rich person, mom never had any cash on her. You could never go to her and say, Mom, can I borrow $100 until... She often went to the bank and took out cash on the credit line and paid 33% interest. Once she charged a house on her credit card. She bought cars on lots when she had no license. She'd take you shopping on a wave of credit cards she'd unfold before your eyes like a vacation land sightseeing photo pack. As long as you could drive, we could eat, sleep, shop, sleep, shop, and have a ball vacationing on her cards, and we all did. I came twice a year, and my kids had a ball with the old battle axe, unaware of anything that was happening at Graham's house with Delilah and her two, quote, worthless sons. We had fun with Graham, and to us, for short bursts of time, Grandma was hilarious and seemed wildly livid and living her dream in a town where she believed she was mayor. She loved the town. Even though I did know the extent, I didn't know the extent of it until now, keeping myself in controlled delirium. I didn't take time to know I was off raising my own family. And Delilah says, quote, my boys were stolen from me just like she stole me from my grandparents. It's, it's so painful, painful, all I could do was love them best I could and try to get my values into them, but in the end, I think I did a pretty good job in spite of it all. I tried real hard, end quote. And she says, I must forgive Ma for what she did to me, and this is my greatest task. Delilah said as she started forgiveness right in the face, and I saw her horror. Take it easy, I says. You're up for it. Go slow. And I cupped her shrinking shoulder, crumbling. Meanwhile, my brain, I'm, are you fucking kidding me? I have so much anger stored from the last time I got fucked over and I haven't puked it out. And she's, I've been releasing anger all now, watching me let go of all anger for her mom. And then what did I do? She's dragging me around. Ground zero fucking pain and I hate you. Release me from this glory so I can let pain go too. It's scary as hell. I'm blown up with resolution, I fucking tell ya. Hell, it just might work. I tell myself once again. We are wound-bounded forever. Chapter 4 How does Delilah evaluate her life? She has tried to transform her fate, her life, and everything. Only she seems to know where she's going. She wasn't scared. I kept her talking, telling stories. She wasn't a failure. She wasn't what mom said. 
What's it really all about, Alfie? She's answering all her own questions, hours and hours of tape recordings, and when she gets a yak, and oh my God. We counted up. She moved 59 times in her life. Meanwhile, she's 75, 76. She said moving always represented possibility. It was never work for her. As a kid, she moved six times before graduating high school. I'll say a lot about this high school later on. She owned 12 cars, worked at 21 different jobs, attended eight schools with some college, and had 19 meaningful relationships with cats and 15 not-so-meaningful relationships with various men. A dream journal entry when she was really sick, but before she learned the truth about not being able to eat, follows. Quote, I was leaving the doctor's office. She wasn't concerned, and neither was I. I left the office and walking back home, but I couldn't get there. I entered a school, but left that. I don't know why. And then I walked and never was able to find where I lived. I'd go the wrong way and realize I'd walked a long way all way the wrong way. And when I remembered home, I wasn't getting any closer. I cut through yards, but people shouted at me to get out of there, get out of there. So I never found my way home over and over. Where is my planet? End quote. She's passing out of this world in peace. Given all she had against her, she is successful and not succumbing to the oppression lots of people had in mind for her, and she's not hiding anything from me. Yep, she shot me good with both barrels. She told me how she stood against all forms of oppression over over her and she chose to become physically ill. She chose to become blind in one eye and had the other eye, that eye points to the North Star and to live forever, to stab with a crooked to stab with a crippled claw, posing as a hand. She says she had to go through a horrible existence to pay back and get released for a new, better incarnation. She believes she has finished, finished and close to finishing her human karma and hopes to pass into her enlightened consciousness light body, the light body that will her, transport her the fuck out of here. She strongly didn't want the religion of her ancestors, though she never chose against it to their face, so she was churched with them. She didn't want the fourth forced antithesis, the Irish Dubliner IRA forced Catholic religion of her birth mom. She didn't want the Protestant religion of her marriage partners. She couldn't choose any sides in a war. Instead, she chose to fight any oppressive religious idea. She came to grow beyond the need for autopilot and became a seeker of her own spiritual truth. She believed things happened for a reason. Part of her learning is accepting poverty as a way of life. 
She tried to do what was in front of her. Immediacy is the way of the poor. Milk for the kids today. Gone tomorrow. I can't worry about that now. I'll worry about that tomorrow. As we all identify with our Irish Scarlet. There's Katie Scarlet. Celebrate the milk for the kids right now. Delilah joined a spiritual brotherhood called Astari in 1968, a great year when everybody with any soul threw it down forever. Lines became drawn. Either you had the Jesus values of love or you were going for the cutthroat. Gonna get all I can for me mind. And she chose a lifetime of study through correspondence courses and became a disciple of this group. She skimped every time to afford her $20 lessons. She had no desire in life but for basic acceptance and forgiveness of her own mother and to a great extent her son, who I am beginning to think will not to will not return to claim his role as prodigal as in the Bible. How terrible her pain for this lost one is. Hard to witness. He is all she talks about in the other breath, loving the son who is caring for her right now more than she ever has in his whole entire life. Always holding the double heart. Never again would she put her first last. Finally, a successful, healthy love with this one son was possible, while the loss of the other created space for them to love each other. Love is cruel. Lovely to witness such beautiful healing meant for all hearts to learn from, and she shared all this love with us. It was beautiful and holy to see. She said when she could finally accept she was seeking cosmic truth, she could bear the cruelty she lived. Her beliefs comforted and wrapped her in safety since everything had been stolen from her in life anyway. Her beloved grandparents, her father, her cousins, and all her friends from her childhood, her kittens and doggies, her familiar childhood places, her familiar understanding of how the world was, her religious life and her health were all stolen from her by age 14. Later came the rape of her body and other qualities of pride, dignity, personal accomplishment, parenting, loving in the greater world. All those areas of pleasure and joy seemed to escape her. Grabbing onto her faith, she had a place to be protected from the grabby, destructive world that wanted her dead. Then, with all that, she had, had to accept that her own mother wasn't even on her side, but in fact led the charge to destroy her person even unto death. My half-sister Delilah saw into the future, told fortunes, passed out hope to the ill, 
read horoscopes, studied Edgar Casey, Louise Hayes, and the best of that genre, and added study of knowledge of aliens, see the raw materials, Elkins, Ruckhart, McCarthy. She believed something that aliens came here as they destroyed Mars. A short summary ensues doing the teaching and justice, but basically they tried to teach the beings here many things but failed and left. What knowledge was given has been misshapen and misused by the humans such as they were. Now most aliens left this planet for destruction because the humans could not learn, leaving a few are here leaving a few who are here to continue teaching. She believes in reincarnation, that her energy will return in other beings. She felt connected to the astral planes. She channeled, she time traveled, she dreamed and she wrote. She didn't have to understand. She allowed herself to be pulled forward with little or no real option to go back into this life easily. <sighs> she really did. She avoided anyone who was not on her spiritual level. She did not feel superior, just alien in most crowds, and she never wanted to convince anybody of anything. She never could afford movies or concerts. She had no CD, book, or movie collection. She was poor. She was always a loner and never wanted to attend public functions. She was self-educated, psychic, healer, the kind of com the community annoyance, the kind that are outside and underneath the rug, serving the lower and the lowest of low. Actions prove your values and examples. No one gets as deep into self-analysis and integration as she went, except by their own living and wallowing directly in it for years on end. She is a wanderer in the raw way, a seeker of truth and light. I believe she lived and died as best she could, both a disciple and a teacher. End of chapter. Part, part two, chapter one. Am I my sister's sister? I asked myself. The American way to end an economic depression caused by money-grubbing rich, mentally ill people is to start a war and get everybody whipped into a frenzy, killing each other, while the rich continue robbing, and it doesn't matter what country you're in now, the whole world is a capitalistic dog-eat-dog -dog unleashed. I was 70 that I learned, I was 70 when I learned that I really had to accept this was repetitive behavior of a mutant, aggressive, Tourette's-driven group I won't even dignify with the name species. I have to accept that repeated history is his story over and over of killing everyone and everything around, and I reject it. Something wrong with killing, and everyone keeps shoving it down my throat. I'm saying no. My life. I don't accept killing lesser, and neither did she. My sister's birth was in 1939, throes of world panic, bullets, killing, disappearing Jews, dying men, and alcohol. Delilah was born at the beginning of World War II and all the mess, the racism, and the horror. 
Delilah's father married our mother since he was the one to find our RIA Dublin grandmother dead that terrible evening. It may have been the single event that caused my mother to go insane. This is the night my mother seems to have lost all common sense. She told me she had always felt guilty for leaving her mother and was going out on a date. She said her mother had to swat her out the door. She had met this man, Bill, because he said he was going to marry her. When she was out once at the movie, Bill sat behind her and told his friend he was going to marry her. After the movie, it was raining. Bill had an umbrella and grabbed her waist and pulled her under. She broke loose and he chased her. They were soaking wet. He grabbed her forcefully and held her under the armpit, choking her with the umbrella, keeping up. They walked assuredly to her house. He kissed her hard. He claimed her. He followed her around. He had come into her house often and acted as if he lived there. In those days, Mom said, men men just said they were marrying you, and that was that. The movie was bad. Mom came home, and Bill went in to use the bathroom. He had to pass through great-grandmother's room to the toilet. Bill came out and told my mom her mom had passed in a long night's journey into death back to Dublin Highlands. The next thing mom tells in her story is, Bill married me. His parents cried. With her mom dead, in shock, my mom agreed to marry him and off he went to war. She stayed at the family house, uprooted, alone, and hated as a Catholic. I guess this was a marriage founded on war violence and pain, and soon Delilah came along and knew she was a war child. All the children everywhere were shipped off, some on trains, some on teleports to the north. Surely all of them did not come back okay. They saw killing was horribly wrong and never came back to that mind state. New new DNA had been spurned and these newborn, and now they've moved on, unable to kill other beings. Methuselah said with her many mouths and her many languages. Once Delilah had her rug under her ripped up, she never came back to this world, alien that they were all nice, white, Protestant, middle-class, upbringing family living in Tobacco Country, Connecticut with quite a grand, calm life of sanity for everyone, but not our mom. Of course, she was Irish Catholic. Of course, she'd gone and married an English Protestant bastard and hated him and all his family group. Wherever our poor mom went, a shitstorm followed and erupted all around. Delilah was an honor student and well on her way to a successful young lady's life of that time. With her dad off off to war, her mom had given her to Grandma and Grandpa to raise, whom she loved very much. Mom went to work at the Pratt & Whitney Bomb Factory in Hartford. She was a Rosie the Riveter, and there was a war to win, so all the Rosies that went on to rivet. Delilah had kitties named Fluffy and Queenie, a real country girl, and she noticed in school that 
quote, everyone had white skin and I thought I was extra milky white, she said. She attributed this to being reincarnated from a past lifetime. She always thought everyone looked really sick here on earth. She was white like Hedy Lamar with jet black hair. Though our mother left her grandparents and she looked for her return out the farmhouse window, she said, you know, I felt loved and cherished and adored in my family. She was a classic, good, round-faced kid. She wore plaid shirt-waist dresses. She had to wash her hands before supper, and she probably drank Coca-Cola, too. As I began to write about Delilah, and when I was with her, I noted she didn't see how sad she made me, how weak and how frail and how innocent and how pathetic and how sad she was and how I needed to help her. I needed to help her. She was like Nikita in Slumdog Millionaire standing there in the rain as I look out from the fucking uh, train boxcar. I can try to learn by doing. I can try to help her by telling her this. I will. We share our bitter tears and I listen to her unfold her life as it occurred. Well, she forgave and forgave, and I tried and I tried, and I did it and I did it, and I failed and I failed. But she did not fail. No, not this time. She had a sense that, quote, this is it, end quote, she said, quote, for real, nowness, end quote. I felt so trapped as she sorted through her real-life feelings, which she had plenty of all the time. She was releasing these and cannot bear she should take these horrible feelings with her now in death. I guess I hold that space of truth for her, and I promised. She kept asking me to tell it, tell it, tell it. Fuck, but story after story of my sister's survival with our mom was just broken my heart in a way I never thought possible. So sad. She was so unloved for who she was, and that's all she wanted to do was be seen by her mom telling it. I try not to judge of hers. It's her karma. She knows whether she's building or burning karma. She's the dying one, doing the forgiving of her karma relations to her mother. I reasonably can follow her request. I get really... I am only a bystander in her spiritual battle. For the first time, I see the entwined mesh Mom created easily with distance, different genes, and 10 years between we two girls. How else would Dragon be able to keep such secret, secret control over my sister's life? I could only imagine Delilah's pains, and thank God they're only partly mine. Now I can share this pain with my sister. Bonding in wounds is deep, deep, but not love. How do I release this pain for her experiences as my understanding of death goes further into the hell cauldron of the intertwining of these lives? All that I imagine about my life from four to seven was real. She said so. I asked her questions about my life and she said it was all true. My dying sister confirmed the worst of my worst memories as true. My memories are real. God damn it, I wanted to be making it up. First of all, no one remembers much about me. More on that later. 
On her deathbed, Delilah wanted to know the answers to shit like this. Quote, Should she forgive Mom for the time she forced her onto the courtroom stage? End quote. This was the time when Delilah's old, good, pale, thin, blue granny was trying to get custody of her little Delilah self. Because Mom told them one evening at supper, quote, You know, I'm afraid my new husband, Stanley, is going to rape and molest my little girl Delilah here. End quote. The blue-haired lady granny's teeth flew across the table. Mom was taken into court pronto. An ugly custody battle for little Delilah, then eight years old, took a year to play out. Our mom was questioned on the stand, and she told the court, quote, I'm afraid for the safety of my eight-year-old girl because I've gone and married a sex fiend, end quote. Our, our mom told the judge she was afraid for her child. What was she thinking? Was she surprised when the court asked little Delilah where she wanted to live and she was forced to choose her survival option by denouncing her mom in court? Where do you want to live, little Delilah? The court man said. At Grandma's, Delilah shouted. Gavel smashed down. No contest. About the court case, Delilah told me, quote, I know right then and there that I get hurt with mom and she wouldn't protect me. So I chose the old ones because they were going to die and I wanted to die too right along with them. I chose death then in a musty mahogany courtroom. End quote. Huh? What would an eight-year-old girl say? How awful to choose death. But I could relate. Our mom has always said, quote, those bastards took me to court to take Delilah away from me. And they did. Those horrible people, horrible people ruined our lives. <sighs> Quote, what in God's name kind of mother do we have? Didn't she feel for her daughter? Did she really do it to protect her from the guy who was my father? End quote. Delilah wanted to know. Yet, she, after living to 76, months before she died, said, quote, I ran to the river to go swimming, but it turned out to be a public pool for bathing, so I took off my clothes and went in. Oh no, here comes Ma, but she's smiling and takes off her grease monkey clothes and came in too. We were laughing, splashing around in the beautiful clear water when men came and shoot us out, but we didn't get out. We laughed and laughed and kept right on enjoying ourselves, end quote. So there you go. She says she had a healing right there, swimming with mom naked. Even before her mother kidnapped her, she still felt something. The best kidnapping story in the whole world happened when Delilah was kidnapped by her crazy mother who came to attend her eighth grade graduation. Scandalous. All the kids everywhere gruffawed at this story. Mom kidnapped Delilah from her ceremony and then chirped, quote, honey, 
I need you to come and babysit your brother and sister, end quote. After Delilah grabbed up her honor certificate, Mom led her home to pick up her suitcase and then to sneak away before the party at the house so they could take off on the next bus out of town. Once safely on the bus, Mom said, I'll never let them get you away from me again. As Delilah sur surveyed her one skimpy suitcase, thinking of all the finery she left behind, she mused that she wasn't sure who her brother and sister were at all. My 13-year-old sister grew up fast. She had to learn how to cook, clean, shop, care for kids, and had only her two kitties for practice. She worked so hard and went to school in a town where she was different. Big Delilah came with a suitcase with a week's full of clothes in it. She would stay three miserable years and only three short months in the fall after Delilah's eighth grade graduation, mom made her completely miserable, crashed her life, her social network, her family, her health and her body, and now the fierce dragon mom could control the crippled wild horse daughter as she wished. Delilah got very, very sick. Delilah crawled around on the filthy floor for a year, trying to learn to walk again. She was crippled, and they said she'd never walk from the spinal meningitis she got from the germs flying up her nose. First she was sick, then she was yellow, then she coughed, then she couldn't walk, then her eyes buggered out and her arm crippled up. But sister did not break. The little rebel had a cause, and that was to get away from mom. Should I forgive you now because I have all these horrible stories in my head about this hoary story, you bitch, I'm saying, I'm thinking about my mother. Now that I know what you did to her and those stories now, they're all true. Why do I have to know? Why can't I just go away and get out of here. Delilah, Delilah asked mom, mom, should I forgive you the shame, rejection, embarrassment you felt and made goddamn sure I knew it when I got the meningitis? This is really fucking with my head. I couldn't see straight. My mind said one thing, my body went the other way, Delilah told me. When she crawled around the floor, knocking everything over, struggling to where her brain said to go, should she forgive me that mom told her outright, if I help you, you'll never do it yourself. Should she forgive mom for completely ignore, ignoring her as she com didn't even exist? How about when mom said, I can't help you. Someone has to work to pay these goddamn hospital bills. It took one year. My sister said she stopped crawling and got herself up walking around the furniture as a funny, wobbly person, of course. She was not really healed and staggered around some, and I don't remember any of it. I remember that she used me as a cane and pulled herself up on me. She told me this, but I don't remember it. I remember crying, fighting, and I was gone a lot. Mom's rage and shame resulted in face-slapping, name-calling, ugliness as Mom adjusted to being the mother of a cripple named Delilah. Shall we, children, forgive you that? 
We wonder why you didn't just put her up for adoption. Delilah's entire left side was crippled with a claw, a wayward eye, not making sounds, laughing, and falling down asleep at the asleep at the drop of a hat. It was permanent. It was neck 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 necro oh, oh, oh. fall asleep instantly. Ne necrolepsy. Delilah Mom used to say, you can be a secretary, a typist. Mom would chirp. I will, I will. Delilah said as the claw brushed over her eyes, hiding the one look and eye get that looks north, trying to get straight out of here. I know what I don't know. In the end, looking back, my sister had grown a big spirit trapped in a small body. She seemed to have wings to fly above it all, held in her head while her body fought like hell to resist. She held it, she held all the anger, took it and stood up to its ugliness and never lost faith in the goodness of people she fought for her right to be. Yeah, all I can see is her angry self getting in, going round and round with my mom, smoking with red lipstick and black pedal pushers and red hot with anger and ma's blah, blah, blah. I can see them fighting. Yeah, the two most ugly, horrible, mushed up with anger and faces. They might be nuns, but I had to watch out. I had to permanently register in my brain is the default position that these are my real family. Later, the memory of a conversation with our mother, the dragon, when she said, I was just born nasty, I guess. I think it's funny that I push Delilah's father down the stairs when he was drunk. It's a wonder it didn't kill him. What? You push Larry down the stairs, I said. Yes, the wonder it didn't kill him, the bastard. Wow, did you wish you did? Yes, I do, yes. Mom, have you ever told this to a priest? We talked a lot about getting business done here on earth before meeting St. Peter. She was proud of her answer to my Catholic rules question and doesn't hesitate to say, well, I would have been right had I gone to confession, but I have nothing to be forgiven or for or confess. He shouldn't have been drunk. So if he, if he would, wouldn't have been drunk, I wouldn't have had to push him down the stairs. So it's all his fault. What if he died, I said. It would have been his fault for being drunk. And that was that about that. She told the same emotional-filled, turbulent stories over and over, laughing all the while about how she tried to beat the guy up or kick him in the nose from a standstill position to dangle dog shit off of their schnouts. She bragged and laughed loud. She was not pretty. One day, bending down to fetch my shoes on the cold goddamn linoleum, I couldn't tell if it's wet dog piss or cold. I just happened to glance over to see my sister Delilah on the bed. I was headed to the bathroom. I passed her several times getting myself ready for kindergarten. She didn't move. She was all yellow. She had big breath. I saw my sister clearly on the rollaway bed when I pounded across the bare linoleum floor, noting she was sleeping hard. She woke herself up, coughing her fool head off. 
She collapsed on the bed when the fit let her go. She passed out. I stood and looked back at the reflection of the mirror and saw her plop back on the, on the bed. And from the door, I was saying, well, I guess she's dead. to myself, and I turned and kept right on walking out the door. She was dead and would be gone when I got home. I don't know where she went. I thought she was dead. I waved to her at the bus station when she left town three years later, destroyed. She was off to complete her senior year of high school back at her auntie's house in Tobacco Land. Lucky her, I cracked. She sure didn't strike out, even though she smoked them, I thought. I bought that kind of cigarette for her for 19 cents a pack. I remember getting her lucky strikes a lot at the old Greek store who was my goddamn blood uncle, my uncle, who never once spoke my name. No, I didn't mind stealing anything I could reach at that fat fuck's place. Fuck your... Relative unnasty uncle, fuck you for ignoring me and starving me and trying to get in my pants, but you will never catch me. I'm hoping for a good death for Delilah, or that it will be painless. I hope to make a difference with her as I remove myself and give her space and help her. It's very strengthening. We felt on the same page. She meandered through her life, and she was going to die. Cancer is good like that. You can have some time on the drugs if you take them. She was going to look for her most painful areas and ask forgiveness. At the beginning, she started at the beginning. We looked at the big picture and saw fathers could not exist or survive our mom, even though they were no good bastards. Dragon had to break them all even harder. Men, that is. We both believe we are involved in letting our mom go away from our beings, get out of our lives, and we renounce and push back against her from our beings so that we may finally get some peace and get our mom out of our heads. We believe our mom drove our fathers away with the, her constant harangue about being good. As the moral judge, she rode everybody's ass pretty hard. Our mom was after perfection, and she chose two low-down, dirty dogs as husbands and produced, quote, three lousy, rotten, ungrateful bastards, end quote, as she spit often in our faces. I had to get home to rest. I need to take a break. I answer every fifth phone call from my mom, the mighty roaring dragon. She acts like I'm around the corner and can get up and can get up and get her a cup of sugar anytime. Fuck yeah. I'm held up in postage stamp apartment on the west coast ready to throw myself in the fucking ocean if she comes one step closer, I swear. Across the US isn't far enough and I'm sick to death of her. I tried to go boil my ass in the hot tub but I noticed my skin didn't peel off. I didn't feel anything, so I guess that means I'm dead. I tried to make plans to go to the islands to sink like a lost ship of gold doubloons, but another beloved of my friends got cancer and needs me. Same kind, lung, crap. Since mom has been stable and my sister's adjusting well, I thought I'd just rest a bit and take a relaxing trip. 
where I stare at art and think about the escape that was just out of reach. After a few months of calm, 98-year-old mom turned sweet, forgiving, and compliant, whining like a child. Things began to unfold just like old times. I forgot myself and let my guard down and tell her some insignificant detail on the phone that she would hone in on, focus on, and turn into some wild, convoluted battle plan against me. Any information became fodder, and she was just sitting, collecting, spinning, and building, fuming, stream ready for her next round of explosive, fury, furious activity. Same pattern. Sin, repent, rope-a-dope, little bit of corn, little bit of whip, over and over, always taking all the space so no one could catch our breath. Surely, during this past two months, she's gotten stronger because the weather has gotten worse. She loves to bitch about anything she can and still bitches horrendous about how bad the weather is. At 98, I thought she could have learned to handle that by now, but no, not yet. At 25 below zero, she kicked into high gear, calling everybody in fucking town about the snow on her roof, the unshoveled sidewalks, and how she can't get to church. Everyone knows she's on the warpath, tired, snowbound, with 10 feet of new fallen snow, and the beginning of the evacuation has begun in New York City and Boston, and she has a few more complaints. Hopefully, they'll stop by and evacuate Mom, too, so she stops calling the city 911 switchboard. Quote, I can't get to the lumber yard with my walker, and, and those bastards are going to shovel so I can go get a trellis. They're on sale now that nobody wants them in the middle of winter. Well... Today, I want one, and now people got to get over here and shovel their sidewalks so I can get out to the lumberyard. Why don't you take a cab, she said. And pay those bastards $3.50 to go two miles? Hell no, I'll save my money. Well, why not wait till spring when you need it? And pay more money for them? Boy, you are stupid. That's why you don't have anything. You can't handle money. Scoring one on her invisible scoreboard against me. Silence. I just called to ho say I hope you're well. I'm glad you're all fighting mad, and I'll say goodnight now, I said, grasping the full fucking meaning of futility once again while hanging up the phone. And... F part two, chapter one.